0: Welcome to the Turn Up The Volume On Your Voice podcast with Charlotte Foster.
1: Turn Up The Volume On Your Voice is a podcast all about podcasting. My name is Charlotte and I've been podcasting since 2017. Before that, I was in radio. In fact, first time I went live behind a microphone was in 1998. Yes, that was last century. I love listening to podcasts, making podcasts and helping others make podcasts too, all through my business, Charlotte Foster Podcasts. I promise you, I am far more creative when it comes to podcasting than I am when it comes to making up names for businesses. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Turn Up the Volume on Your Voice. Hope you are well. This week, I'm talking about voices. Because loving your voice, or to be more accurate, not loving your voice, is one of the biggest blocks that people tell me they have when it comes to podcasting or starting a podcast. Now, I've had 20 years roughly of listening to myself talk, so I'm kind of over the sound of my own voice. I'm over it. Yeah, it's there. It's not much I can do. I quite like it, actually. I haven't always quite liked it, as you will hear. The good news is, though, there are ways for you to fall in love with your voice, and there's lots of ways you can do it. And to make sure that you really do start loving your voice, because if it's what's holding you back from podcasting, it breaks my heart. It really does. So to make sure you really, truly do love your voice, I've invited two very special guests to the podcast this week to help you and no doubt help me a little bit as well. So my guests this week are Kate Cocker. She is the presenter coach. She uh, helps people do good presenting and Nick Redman, who is a vocal coach and voice actor. Now, as you're going to hear, uh, everything I've told you about how you introduce people on your podcast, I didn't do. So the first person you are going to hear speaking is me, but the first of the two guests you're going to hear talking is Nick. Thank you both for coming along. I just wanted to talk about voices really because one of the things a lot of people come up to me and say they they'd love to start a podcast but oh my god i hate my voice uh, and it tends to be more women than men and i mm-hmm. don't know if that's a, a thing that you guys find as well but i just wanted to kind of chat around what the whole pro- the whole problem with voices or, or what it could be and ways that we can all learn to love our voices a oh, bit more H Yes. Preach. I remember when I first started out in radio. So I was 20 something, the right side of 25. So 23, 24. And I remember sitting in front of the microphone for the first time, shaking, obviously reading my script. And I listened back and I just went, I sound like a child. What's going on? So many people say that. It's, the sci- it's science,
0: isn't it? So like when we hear our voices back, we just hear it through our ears. When we hear our voices when we're speaking, we get two way. So we hear it through our ears, but we also hear it through the really lovely, uh, natural sound absorbing and resonant spaces in our skull, all the gunky stuff and all the bones. So we often hear ourselves with a slightly lower resonance or a warmer resonance than we do when we hear ourselves back. Science. The difference between
2: being close to a mic in your head and then far further away from a mic, I guess. That's probably what it is. The difference yeah.
1: is. So science Tough. is the f- to blame. Oh,
0: science. But a lot of people say that. And when you say the male female thing, that's really interesting because I did a corporate session today and it was probably 50-50 split men and women. And the a couple of women at the start were like, yeah, I just, one of my things is I just hate the sound of my own voice. And then when the, gentlemen had um, the chance to feedback on how they felt. They were like, yeah, I don't really have a problem with the sign of my voice. Like, it's fine. Like, it, it's not that, that's not the issue. And the other one's like, yeah, I'm fine with my voice. It's okay. So, you know, that's not, I'm not saying it's 100% all the time, what I experienced. I don't know about you, Kate, but there is often a lean towards the men being grand because no one's probably ever told them anything about their voices. And maybe we need to go down that road. I don't know. I don't have a drink. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> women get, God, women get picked on a lot for their voices for, for absolutely no valid reason.
2: Yeah. And, and there's also, there's a whole bunch of stuff here, here, isn't there? Because your voice is so personal to you. It's shaped in a way that has all of your history in it. So um if you... If you come from a big family and you come from a rowdy family, you might have a really big, bold voice because that's how you have been brought up and that and that's who you are. Um, but if you come from a really quiet family that you know maybe you don't all speak over the table, then you might just be a little bit more softly spoken. And that can really impact on your confidence. So then when you hear yourself back and you don't feel like it's the voice that you speak with, because it's part of your identity and you just do it like breathing don't you speaking it's just it's part like it's like breathing so when I start thinking about my breath I realize I can't breathe you know so there's all of that bundled up in it as well and then I think that for women I mean there's that old adage I just remember hearing people say when I was in radio and Charlotte you might have had this as well women don't like listening to women on the radio Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> women don't like listening to women. People's voices aren't very good on the radio. You can't put two women next to each other. That was the other one. You can't <sighs> put two women in a show. You can't put two women on air together and you can't put two women one show after the other.
1: Because they won't recognise the difference because we all sound the same.
2: Because we're all high-pitched and it's not very... And so what you get is um, there are there are loads of women in radio who have all deepened their voice slightly mm, and will talk yes. down here to nice get that vocal... Larynx, what they call it depression. vocal fry, don't they? No, well, well vocal fry. No, is that not vocal
0: fry? Well, Tell me vo- about vocal fry. Vocal vocal fry is the uh, is that like creaky quality at the end of phrases, Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, like the Kardashian effect. It's like the Britney Spears effect. Um, the the which comes the,
2: from pushing your larynx down. I assume uh, uh, there, there are
0: a couple down. of things. So one thing is inefficient cool. airflow. Sorry, this is where the ge- uh, on go the gate glasses. She <laughs>
2: She's so good. She's so good.
0: <laughs> so one thing that contributes to vocal fry, which is basically little pockets of air, like bubbling through the vocal folds you don't get full fold closure this is me if you're looking up from my lungs through the vocal folds like the vocal folds in here um, you don't get full... That's really good for podcast, isn't it? I just did a, a yeah, visual. Yeah, I was say Great, enough. great. Well done. <laughs> Explain it. <laughs> anyway, I'm waving... I'm, like, I'm miming vocal fold closure with my hands. I don't know how you would describe that. Anyway, I digress. Point is, like it's not V-shaped full fold. Like a
1: V-shape to a closed. V-shape yeah, to closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If
0: you put your little fingers together and you kind of wave them together and up, it's like a little wave. Anyway, uh, with... What we aim for with good vocal tone or full tone is like um, full fold closure, basically. With vocal fry, you get this kind of not quite f- sort of not full closure. You get bubbles of air coming through, which can come from either inefficient airflow or not enough subglottic pressure, so the air underneath isn't quite supported enough, or a bit of tension and depression of the larynx and that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> Science bit. Who knew we were going to be saying subglottal pressure this early on in the show, in the episode? <laughs> With three women on this one podcast episode, I don't know how people are going to tell the difference. I I, I think it's really hard, isn't it? We all sound so similar.
0: The thing that annoys me about voice feedback, and it's the same with accents, because I work a lot with people with accent coaching as well, and I don't offer accent reduction to English native speakers as a service because I don't believe it's ever actually the problem. Maybe that's not for now. Um, But one thing that I always say to people is, opinion on voice and accent is 100% in the ear of the listener. It's nothing to do with the speaker and the listener is a sort of feeding back on your voice with this whole suitcase of baggage based on their um, unconscious biases because of all the people in life they've interacted with. So if they had a horrible experience with somebody in school who had um, like a really high-pitched voice or something slightly twangier, then they're gonna not like everybody who has a twangy voice. There's nothing wrong with a twangy voice. It's absolutely fine. If you can communicate, fine. Great, there's things you can do if you want to change it or play around, that's grand. But like, we all have these views based on our experiences, basically. So if you're going, God, her voice is so annoying, it's probably because, I don't know, the dinner lady in school had a voice like that or your auntie had a voice like that or whatever. Interestingly, both of those examples were women. Hmm. So any point is, it's not the speaker's fault, it's the listener's fault. And as listeners, we have a responsibility to listen more inclusively and more openly and be less of a bleeper about it. Keep your bloody opinions to yourself, to be honest.
2: (laughs) I do, I, I, I completely agree with you entirely. I know that when I'm working with people who do have strong accents that are less native to the audience they're going to be speaking to, instead of saying, reduce your accent, all I ask them to do is actually, if you start your talk with a little couple of extra lines, then it just helps people to tune into you. Mm. So rather than just going straight in, because often when, I, when I'm when i teaching speeches or with, with doing content, I get, I'm like, go straight in, get straight in, none of this, hello, welcome, I'm really glad to be here with you today. But if you've got a strong accent, actually that, hi, lovely to be with you today, helps the audience tune into you.
1: I'm really jealous of people who've got accents, if I'm being honest, because I have, um, Clearly, I'm from the south of England, Berkshire. Nice home counties accent. And everyone goes, oh, Charlotte, you sound so posh. And I go, I wish you could see the council estate I grew up on. It's not posh at all. But I always find that I've got, I in my mind, my voice is bland and doesn't have any kind of so nothing to sort of stick out, nothing to sort of stay in someone's, in someone's mind as such. It hasn't got an accent to it. And I just think, oh, I'd love an accent. Don't ever ask me to do an accent though because I'm terrible at them. So in my head, I sound brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm not. I am very bad at doing other people's accents. But I'm really jealous. But you have to think about it from the other person's perspective though. There are people out there who
0: would kill for your accent. Like you do have an accent and it's wonderful because it's you and it's a very big part of who you are um but every but grass is always greener <laughs> the grass always sounds nicer that doesn't work um, you know what i mean like it's always always somebody everybody always wants what somebody else has <laughs> there's another
2: thing about accents though which is that um when i was doing my degree they said that it's like dialect and accent isn't it and if you move Nick, you can tell me if this is complete rubbish. But if you move, like, under the age of about five, it's quite hard for you to stick to an accent. So if you grow up, obviously, in Manchester, you get a really mank accent and all of that. But if you moved away from Manchester when you are about five, you would probably start picking up the accent. And I certainly... I moved it when I was younger, um, before I was five. And I certainly, I mimic, and I came to Manchester and I was like, right, off we go, grass, bath. And I grew (laughs) up in Berkshire. (laughs) So I was like, and my husband was on the radio here and we came up from down south. And he was like, I'm saying bath and grass on the radio because it's rude not to in this market. So to go grass and bath and be a broadcaster, he was like, I just think it would be, it's polite to just say the A's the way that people would say them here.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? We've got like a live experiment of that because we moved my very very mink 5 year 4 year old to the Cumbria Northumberland border <laughs> about 3 months ago, so I'll let you know in a, in a few years because at the Brilliant. moment he's Thank you. he's like he's proper like Salford. Yeah, right. <laughs> <You had I? laughs>
1: but I want a podcast but... on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: he's now we're in an area where where it's this really interesting sort of Cumbrian Northumberland hybrid sound it's amazing Ooh, nice. so it's um yeah yeah I'm yeah. terrible at it but I'll get there I'm listening to a but lot of the locals very very intensely they probably think I'm absolutely batty
2: the danger is that whenever I'm on holiday I sort of can hear myself speaking back to the waiter with a similar accent and I'm like stop it it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <rude. laughs> well, it's natural, so, yeah. it's
0: an instinctive thing though isn't it because like ultimately as humans we we like crave to be accepted by whatever tribe we happen to be around so accents and there is an accent version of you know code switching in the sense that when it's telephone voice isn't it you you put on a version of yourself for different situations we were just talking about it before before we started this podcast but like i talk much more like a yorkshire in a Yorkshire accent when I'm with my in-laws and my husband. My mum is from Lancashire, so I sometimes go a bit Lancashire when I talk to her. And then my dad's Irish. So like, because I subconsciously, unconsciously, uh, I want to fit in with whatever tribe is there for survival, you know, and we do it. It's like they have um, this fascinating research, Rob Drummond um, has some fascinating research into like youth language and identity and how we think all these kids are growing up with just awful accents. You know, God, they don't know how to speak to each other, they have Fs instead of THs and all this kind of um, MLE, Multicultural London English, how are they going to survive? But the truth is they know exactly what to do when they're not with their mates. That's their social language. That's their sociolect. They should be able to have that in professional situations and hopefully eventually a lot will have the strength to do that, but they know as soon as they go into a job interview, exactly what sounds to put in there. So it's fascinating.
1: Should people have a different voice for their podcast than if they're doing a podcast, you're saying about, you know, telephone voice, should there be podcast voice? Well,
2: I talk about in performance space, there are sort of standards, if you like, and that if you're going to, if you, when I talk about authenticity in performance space, so standing on stage or being on a mic or being on a camera, those stages do shrink you. So it, it actually becomes a place where you're more authentic because you add that 10% of you if you go and be totally authentic and you've got a voice like this and and you talk like this, it's not gonna work on a microphone. But equally, you don't want to come on and start talking like this, you know, and really forcing your voice or making up a voice. So for me, podcast voice should be authentic, but plus 10%, is how I always look at it. Bit of emphasis, bit of intonation, bit of power behind some words and you're away.
0: And I think that uh, my my answer to this question, the first question you asked is, no, have your voice because it's all you have in the podcast space in terms of USP to start with. All you have that's unique. Sorry about your amazing idea; twill have been done before in some point, in some form. But your voice is literally all you've got. Um, the ten percent is great because you do have to add a little bit extra of yourself as long as it's that that authentic version of you. And I think it's really easy to get that extra 10%. If you remember, that the whole point of a podcast is to have a conversation and communicate with somebody else. That person's not there, they're here. And you do have to think a little bit harder about connecting with them because you don't have the eye contact or the actual in personness of it all. So I think that 10% is so easily linked to just remembering that your entire reason for doing a podcast is to communicate with someone else, just like it is in real life. Because most of us, when we're chatting to our mates, which is, it's the vibe that, of my podcasts at least, um, n- they all understand me. <laughs> like I give them enough to understand what I'm saying, and I would say 99.9 percent of humans out there don't have an issue in their own authentic space with connecting with the humans around them.
2: Yeah, the thing that you find in podcast presenting is it's 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 actually the other way. You rarely get people who are down, you know, too low. It's that people go into presentation mode. So if they read a script, they don't read it like they'd speak it, or what you find is they throw their voices. So people, like when you're on the phone and you can't see the people that you're speaking to, it's really, hello. My mum my would go, hello, Lamborghini 71357, like this. And you'd be like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm talking like this. Okay, bye, how are you? Bye, like that. And I think sometimes with radio, you can hear when people are doing ISDNs because they do their telephone voice. They go, see you there, bye. And they go into that sing-songy bit but it's the throwing of the voice and and i think the the way to nail it is to bring the voice closer to you and think of the person closer to you and then you can present without overdoing it like that
1: i remember when i was first starting in radio it's always like the picture person in front of you and you're talking to them and yeah. i like still to this day if i'm having a struggle and i i do every now and again have a struggle i've got a cuddly toy the the john lewis dragon from the christmas advert the john lewis christmas advert a couple of years ago Edgar, I think his name was. I just fell in love with him. It was a moment. Aww. It was before the pandemic and we were all emotional anyway. And it just got me that year. And so I bought the cuddly toy and he sits up in my, in my office and I'll just put him in front of me and I'll talk to Edgar. Excitable Edgar, that's
0: him. <laughs> that's a lovely idea. And I know a few voiceovers who kind of employ that technique, who have a thing that they speak to um, or a picture or, or something. I think it really works. Um, Patsy Rodenberg has some really interesting stuff on like circles, Of attention, so you can be in like first circle, first circle, second circle, and third circle, and it's about how first circle is like basically you. I mean, I'm really paring this down. Second circle is like, you know, it's it's which of the circles you want to be in. So third third circle is like, hey, I'm here, let's party. Um, second circle not so much, first circle not much. There's so much more to it than that, but the point is, it's an interesting theory if you think about when you're doing a podcast, you might be thinking. Not potentially first circle, maybe second circle, just kind of stepping out a little bit out of your um, usual space so that you can reach somebody.
1: What kind of difference does sitting down and standing up do? Because again, I've some depends what mood I'm, I quite like standing up to record because I'm a big arms waving type person. But then when I've done sitting down ones, I, I hear I feel like I'm much more it's much more laid back recording. I think is that is that. A big thing, sitting up, stand, sitting up, standing down. Standing <laughs> up, sitting down.
2: <laughs> Fall over standing up, you would. I stand over falling up. There we go. Hey,
1: you've met me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nick, this one's for you, science.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot to standing and sitting and I think it depends on the sort of vibe you want to get. But also I think you, like everybody's different. I can sound just as excited and engaged sitting down. I'm sitting down now and I don't think I sound too laid back because again, it's not about my physical repose. It's about my intention to communicate whatever my message happens to be. So I could be lying on the floor and still sound insanely excited about voice because I'm always really excited about voice, <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. Um, what you get from standing up, some people find, is a bit more vocal freedom so in term that's such a naff thing to say what the hell does that mean sorry i just edited myself (laughs) vocal freedom but basically i mean you can get the breath in a little lower as we would say so you can release the abdominals on the in breaths you've got enough room for the diaphragm to send. so you get a little bit more breath and a little bit more uh, kick in from the support muscles when you're standing potentially if your voice is working well a bit more gesticulation and energy perhaps and some people feel a bit more grounded when they're standing but i would argue that there's I've watched just as many ungrounded, wobbly, left to right swaying presenters as I have grounded people sitting down. So like today when I was working through some finding your voice online workshop with some corporate people, we were talking about being grounded and stable in the seat, seated as well. So really finding the floor with your feet um, and just feeling like you're connected to something. So I would argue both can work depends on the person and the personality. I'm still flailing my arms around even though I'm sat perched on a stool. That's because I can't really talk without them. <laughs> without them. I hit myself in the face. Um, it's just about what you feel comfortable with, I suppose. And remember, it's all of this stuff is arbitrary because it's about how articulate your intention to communicate is. That will get past all of the nonsense.
1: And how do you do that then? <laughs> How do you get that intention?
0: (laughs) Well, I always talk
2: about in terms of when you're presenting, knowing what you want to achieve before you begin is really useful. So if you're preparing for an interview, what is the one thing I want to hear the person say? If you are preparing for a podcast, it's about going, what is the one thing I want them to remember? Actually work out what that message is. There are kind of layers to performance that. I think, you know, there's the obviously it's like an iceberg. I think of it like an iceberg. You've got the performance bit on the top and the stage is like the sea. And then there are three things I think that go into a performance. And that is one, your intent and your identity. So that's exactly what you're talking about there. It's that one line through, that one message you want to get over in this episode or the one message you want to get over in this speech. Then it's about finding the story and the, and the content that goes around that and adds all the color. That's where you can think about your words and your language as well and the structure. And then it's all in the rehearsal and the delivery and the rehearsal and the the delivery is where you start to practice the articulation. So you might go into a podcast without having spoken that day. You know, if you're doing a podcast recording at nine in the morning and you've not spoken and you open up the microphone and you go, you know, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Yes. And you know, I say this, people go into meetings like that. They go into meetings and they haven't spoken to anyone all morning. And they're expect- they're, they're thinking, I'm gonna go into a meeting and convince someone of my point. You're like, it's not gonna work unless you've actually spoken that morning. So I'm sure Nick would give you some amazing vocal techniques and things to warm up your voice. But what I tend to tell say to people is to just almost say the words over and over again a little bit before you go into whatever you're going into. So that when it comes to saying them, you can say them <laughs> rather and you don't have to think about the muscles or anything around it. It's quite simple, really. Um, there are people, I, I do joke, there are people like well, before we went into lockdown, there are people across the country in their cars speaking to themselves because of me as they go
0: into meetings or
2: podcast recordings. And all that.
0: Yeah, and because so. of me, they're doing it like this. Hello, thanks for coming to my presentation. <laughs> my name's Nick. I'm going to tell you about because <laughs> I get them to warm up and practice at the same time. <laughs> That's why I stuck my tongue out a minute ago when Kate was talking, I thought, like, oh, God, that looks really rude, but I was just thinking through slug tongue, the exercise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> now you're gonna have to tell me about slug tongue.
2: Yeah, go <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, Nick's, Nick's got all these lovely little um what aer- 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 aerobatics if you like. Aerobatics, that's the acrobatics. right word, it? when it comes Acrobatics. To- acrobatics. <laughs> Tongue yoga. <laughs> I didn't say acrobatics 10 times before I came onto this podcast. And that's time. where we went wrong. <laughs> that's where I Acrobatics. Went wrong. Um, yeah.
0: So part of my specialism as a voice geek and a voice trainer of the human voice is um, knowing what to do with the bits and bobs to get the most out of it. And one of the things that you have to do in order to speak clearly and to articulate that message is to warm up your voice. Like Kate said, sometimes you might not have spoken to anybody, so you do need to make noises and faces and silly things to free up the muscles to release as much tension as possible, because tension murders vibrations. That's a Kristen Linklater quote. Um, She, uh, yeah, any, any tension in the vocal tract, the area from your larynx up to where you the sound comes out, will hamp- dampen the vocal potential, basically. So slug tongue is a really nice exercise for a couple of reasons. It's basically where you stick your tongue out on your lower lip like this. Uh, I'm demonstrating again, remembering, though, it's a podcast. Stick your tongue out, dear listener, like this. Everybody do it, Feeves. And then you just talk through stuff. So I uh, offer, the way it was taught to me was... Um, you say the days the months and you can't want the cuz that's very mindless and you'd have to think about it but also that's it. yeah okay monday, monday tuesday, tuesday wednesday, wednesday thursday, 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 thursday friday, 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 friday
2: saturday sunday thursday friday saturday, sunday 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 nine 10 nine. going on my show reel that's the award winning moment that's it that's going
0: into every every award category going <laughs> so basically, that's a really good exercise. A swallow swing, a lot of fun, um, because what we're doing is stretching out the tongue root. So the tongue root is directly attached to the larynx that houses the vocal folds. And if there's tension in the tongue root, what you often get is that pushing down depression of the larynx sometimes that we talked about, that that if people are pushing their larynx down to get a more, hello, welcome to the BBC kind of sound, and then there'll be tension in the back of the tongue. Um, And what it does is it restricts the movement of the larynx, basically, and your larynx has to kind of raise and lower and tilt and shift so the vocal folds can stretch and release and vibrate and to make sound and to get vocal variety. So it's really good for freedom of the voice and ease of voicing. It's really good for making space in the back of the pharynx so you get more volume for less effort and in more use, again, vocal tone. And it's really good for articulation in terms of shaping the sound. So it's a great catch-all exercise. So if you've start, if you got your presentation all set and you're, you're warming up the car on the way in, like Kate said, talking to yourself, then you can kill two birds with one stone because you can stick your tongue out and release a bit of tension and whatnot as well. Hello, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to talk you through the sales figure for the last quarter. <laughs> We're in debt. We're all going to our jobs.
2: Any questions? Uh, I'm not making anyone redundant today.
1: <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Yeah, don't yeah. do it in the actual meeting, That's good. just in the car. <laughs> and there's relaxing and there's relaxing there, isn't yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't do that in the meeting.
0: It's a really good one.
1: This is really useful because um, I remember when I was at university and they, they had a vocal coach in for the day. This is me doing my, my broadcast journalism. And I sort of had my 15 minutes chat with her. And she said, yes, Charlotte. In, in the old days, I'd have told you to start smoking just so you could lower the register of your voice. But I'm not allowed to do that anymore.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Ah. Ah. Yeah.
1: So clearly, smoking is not good for your voice because it damages it, doesn't it? As yes, well as everything else that smoking yes. does for you. What else can people do to look after their voice? Because I've had, again, when I, I used to do singing competitions, <laughs> no, I'm a terrible singer now, as I will prove. Whenever we meet up again in person and have karaoke, um, but I was told to drink orange juice, eat licorice. This is cool. can you imagine that combination? Drinking orange juice and uh, eating licorice oh as, as a way of keeping my voice good. Um your faces tell me that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> This is,
0: this is some of the many bits of nonsense that you hear in the kind of um, mythical world of things that help your voice. Um, first off, let's all remember the actual physiology of what happens. Nothing you eat or drink touches your vocal folds on the way down, because if it did, you will choke and you will die. <laughs> right? They're different tubes. So what you eat and drink goes down the esophagus, the eat the food tube. Almost my favourite tube. I have to like the other tube better because I'm a voice specialist, but I do love the eating tube a lot. Um, So what we eat and drink can affect your vocal function depending on if you have any allergies or intolerances. For most people, the most important thing to do, the most important thing for vocal health is stay hydrated. Now there's two ways to stay hydrated. Number one, fluids, all fluids except alcohol will add to your systemic hydration, which hopefully in time, four to eight hours, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the research you read and the person and the lifestyle, eventually reaches your vocal folds and makes the mucus on the outside of the vocal folds nice and slippery, which is what we want for easy onset of phonation or voicing. Um, you can, all, But that basically needs you to be just well hydrated all of the time. Like, how many times have I drunk during this? and you're sipping like you gotta just keep drinking all of the time because actually it will take it can take if you're dehydrated chronically dehydrated as a lifestyle not choice as an accidental lifestyle environment situation, it'll take a good couple of weeks to to sort of build things up and for your body to kind of, that's science I'm probably making up. What I'm trying to say is you just need to drink all of the time, like little and often, all of the time. I think the main, the most recent research that I got from my vocal health first aid or training, I know, it's impressive. Uh, It's an actual thing. Yes, I have a certificate and everything. Is one millimetre per calorie burned is the one mil- milliliter. Milliliter, yeah, 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 yeah. Not millimetre. Yeah yeah, 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 Like there's a point where my science drops, okay? <laughs> one You've M. You've done brilliantly up till now. No, right? God damn it. <laughs> one M per cal burned in the day. Now, who's counting their calories that they burn? But that is what they say as a base point, you know. Well, so- that's
2: basically why they say two liters then, isn't it? Because yeah. you're probably burning about 2,000 calories, calories a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah um depending on your lifestyle if you do loads of that exercise stuff you're going to burn more if you do loads of that sitting on the sofa you're going to burn less the other thing as well is remember is food so if you eat loads of fruit and vegetables and you're dead healthy you're going to be more hydrated than someone who just eats pizza and oven chips all of the time um i'm not judging lifestyles i'm just giving you the facts um other things for vocal health are voice naps that's the cool phraseology in uh, voice training at the moment Hashtag voice naps, so just stop talking every now and again, <laughs> if you can, it's really useful. Um, and there's a couple of exercises that are really good for resetting the voice and vocal function if you've got loads of recording to do, so like lip trills, <laughs> sorry, I got tripped over my own lips, that's good isn't it, can you edit that, ah well, who cares. <laughs> lip trills up and down is really good for breath For try it
2: Charlotte try it try it, go. It, try it try it it's really hard it's so much harder than you think it is so it's, it's just like doing that thing when you're a kid of just going bring bring basically
1: <laughs> I can't do it for- oh god that's really difficult do this or this to get you going
2: and then just go do it again and you'll find you can do it yeah see how funny is <laughs> that isn't it
0: release your lips a lip as well yeah and if you can't do that, then just do um, a, a gentle slide up and down with a big puffy woo, so like woo, as if you're going. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <key>
0: it's <dicen> yes, another semi included vocal tract exercise. It's really nice. Really good for releasing things, releasing tension, resetting the laryngeal position. Um, yawns, also great because I'm a big fan of yawns. <laughs> Um, So a nice big yawn with the tongue down behind the bottom teeth. This is good podcasting.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm now encouraging everyone to yawn listening to the podcast. I love it. Yeah. Releases some muscles at the back of the pharynx that are really
2: helpful. And a good sigh is a good one as well, isn't it? The sighing. Just releasing that up. Yeah, I like that one. So I, I'm off, I'm finding more and more that uh, just even five deep breaths at the beginning of a, a recording, just before you set going, anything like that. Four in, four out. I say, because I I get there and I I run workshops and I do this kind of breathing at the start, just to kind of I call it kind of drawing the curtain between life as you know it and that moment that you need to focus. So so you draw the curtain by doing five deep breaths, four in, four out, and I'll go right, red, ready, everyone, and in for four, and I'll go. <gasps> And <laughs> my body just isn't ready to do it. And it just, it just highlights how we are moving really quickly all the time. We are not thinking about what's, what we're saying. We're not thinking about anything. And we think that when we open up a microphone, we can just do the same. And I do think that those exercises that Nick had to keep care of your voice, making sure that you're drinking water all the time, and then just setting yourself down and grounding yourself before you start really makes a massive impact on what you're about to do.
1: So we're all podcasters here. Have you learned to love your voice? Or did you love your voice anyway?
2: Well, I remember that moment where I listened back when I was younger and I was like, that doesn't sound like me, that's not me. I I then used to voice things when I was making jingles. So I know how to set the EQ on my voice. So I sound better. (laughs) That's (laughs) cheating. Very much cheating. But I don't do that. So the answer is yes, I have got used to my voice. My favourite moment recently is I had a moment where I had some voice uh, synthesis done and that was weird. Hearing yourself back saying things that you've never said. So it was like, it was the weirdest moment. It was the weirdest moment. It's
0: coming for us all.
2: It is. Voice licensing, here we come.
0: It's absolute. Don't even get me started as a voiceover artist. It's an absolute... Chaos. Anyway, yeah, no, I've always liked my voice mainly because, not liked, but I've always never had an issue with it. Like it's been grand because I've been doing voiceover for such a long time. And the first time I got in a booth and I said some stuff and someone went, here, have this money. I was like, hello. <laughs> so yeah, I've never really had an issue. I feel quite grateful for that. And I think I, I, met, I left Northern Ireland to go to uni in Manchester when I was like 18 and I got the mic taken out of me like left, right and centre for for having a Northern Irish voice, but I don't remember ever actually being upset and annoyed by it. Like, it just didn't bother me. Um, So I feel quite grateful for that, really. But I have known people who have not liked their voices and grown to love them. It just takes exposure therapy.
1: yeah again in radio you used to sit down and you'd have like snoop sessions where your boss would yeah. come in and go all right i've just yeah. taken this random bit and we're gonna listen those. to it and you just i remember the first couple of times i would just sit there and just go i'm not listening i'm not listening i'm not listening i can't listen do anything but listen and just agree with whatever they say just go with it kind of thing and then i used to start going oh actually i sound quite good I love it. This is good, actually. Oh, well done, Charlotte. I like this. But so I was just like, yeah, no, we should. And like, I, I liked what you said, Kate, about your voice has all your history in it. And it absolutely yeah. does. I remember the mm. lunch, Sunday lunch was sacred in our house. Unless the Grand Prix was on and then the telly was moved around so that my dad could watch it. But otherwise it was sitting down eating dinner and my dad would get us all to discuss the politics of the week, whatever had been going on. And we were all really encouraged to have our say and have our, our little bit. And that's probably why I end up doing what I what I did, because it was very much my, I was heard and I was listened to and Almost, and I was acknowledged, if that makes sense, as well. It was part, everyone was part of that discussion. Apart from my mum, who'd sit there and go, Sunday dinner, we're meant to be having fun. Don't talk about politics. (laughs) That's so wonderful, though. Like that, I think people have to have a, uh,
0: parents have a real responsibility to make their kids feel heard because I I work with the people who didn't have that privilege around the table or for whatever reason, and they come and they're not loud enough or their voice is really tense or whatever. And, and when you delve back into their, their history, you you start to get all this stuff like, oh, well, my dad never listened to anything we said, you know, he was always right. And we just ended up not really talking in the end. You know, when you get all this stuff where, oh God, I was told to be quiet all the time. And, you know, it was speak when you're spoken to and all that kind of stuff and etiquette. like. And we do have a responsibility as humans, older humans, to make sure younger kids are heard. Most of it, sure, gonna be a load of nonsense. I have one. God, the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Absolute nonsense. He's four, so we'll let him away with it. But like, we listen to him and we engage him in conversation like he's a normal sized human person. Even if he is saying, yes, but mum, when you're a dinosaur, you can have tap shoes.
1: You know, like, you just just let it happen. We could talk forever, couldn't we? About I, I, I love all this as well. It's so fa- it's just fascinating. I just really do think it is. But if there was one thing, apart from keep hydrated, what can we do to a love our voice a bit more, and b look after our voice? I think to love
2: your voice. Hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness! Say every syllable with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's all you can do, because that's who you are, right? So it's really it is it, it's so tied to self acceptance. When you hear yourself back, you suddenly notice. I I do it when I watch my videos back. I'm like, oh God, I do that's so annoying. How do people put up with me? But it's if you can do you with confidence, hit every syllable with confidence, every letter, then then you you're going to win, and you're going you're going to find a place that you love.
0: Fabulous. And Nick? Oh, I just want to do a clap. I just want to clap that. <laughs> it's beautiful. I think mine's tied to that though, in terms of look after your voice. I think it's remembering that voice is a completely holistic practice. So if you are in a bad state mentally or a bad state physically, it's going to have an effect on your voice. So yeah, I can do, you know, silly, brilliant voice exercises till the cows come home. But if you've had a really, really awful day, or you're going through something really awful, then it will have an effect on your voice. So you've got to approach voice training from a body, mind, voice angle. That sounds really intense and like, well, why bloody bother? Because, um, you know, there's so much going on, but it's really easy to make small little changes and, and implement things in your day-to-day life that can help you with that sort of thing. Even if it's just utilizing the sigh, noticing when you hold tension in your shoulders and letting those drop noticing when your mind, what happens to your voice when you get anxious in your head in your i was I was going to say brain head <laughs> in your head Do you know what I mean A- awareness of of your whole self in relation to what comes out when you speak is incredibly important and that's sort of what I'd try to do with the voice coach podcast is like take people through all the elements that are involved bit by bit
1: Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much, Nick. I've really, really enjoyed this. I think it's been really useful as well. And I'm going to do Slug Tongue for the rest of my life now. Please, please tell me I am not alone in the whole Slug Tongue thing and going to start doing it all the time. You've got to. It's so much fun. Just how much fabulous information did you just hear, right? So my biggest takeaways are that, number one, and I think this is the most important thing. My voice is mine, it is uniquely me, it's me, my history, and also my future in a way as well. And you know what? I am going to celebrate my voice, its flaws and everything. And if somebody does have a problem with my voice, it's their problem, it's not my problem. They can get over it. And I really want you to start thinking like this as well. Number two. Actually, to make sure that I love the sound of my own voice, what I need to do is be confident about what I'm saying. So that's the planning ahead, knowing what I'm going to say, knowing what I want to hear. It's going to give me a stronger voice because I'm already confident in what I'm doing. Makes total, total sense. Uh, Number three, flog tongue is (laughs) fun. And I'm going to do Slug Tongue so many times because you can't do it and then not smile. Uh, I can't do the trills very well. I'm going to have to practice those. And you know what? I couldn't have asked for two better guests to come on and talk about voices. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Kate and Nick for giving me their time to record this episode. You can get so much more from both Kate and Nick. You can search for the Presenter Coach in Google. That'll bring you uh, Kate's website. Or, of course, you can find her on social media. She is Kate Cocker, K, the letter, 8, the number, Cocker, uh, on social media she also does the Everyday Positivity podcast, which is a podcast every day with a bit of positivity and it's brilliant. At uh, Nick, you can find Nick Redmond, you can find online. But the best way that you can get more from Nick is by listening to her podcast, The Voice Coach Podcast. And I'm signing up to that one as well. So I can keep learning and keep developing and keep growing my voice as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got something from it. I would love to know what your takeaways are as well. So if you want to drop me a line, you know how to do that. I'm on social media. You can find me at Charlotte Foster Podcasts on Instagram. And you can find me there on Facebook, LinkedIn, Charlotte Foster Podcast Queen. I have a lot of thoughts about myself, clearly. And I'm on Twitter at CF Podcasts as well. Until next time, look after yourself.